what we're trying to do is we're trying to make marketing profitable so it can scale, right? So like the definition of, you know, scaling is having something that works and doing more of it, right? And, and so many companies want to scale their growth, but they don't have something that works. So they just, they just throw, they throw six months and six figures at like, oh, I'll just do content marketing or I'll do advertising or I'll do massive outreach. But they, they haven't actually really built the engine to where those marketing dollars are driving into something that's engaging and eye converting. And then ultimately just, it's like, if, if you, if you're dumping fuel into a bad engine, you know, it's going to be expensive. Things are going to break and the likelihood of you getting to your destination is not very good. Skyrocketing growth is the dream, but without strategic balance, it can quickly become a nightmare. Tune in as we pick the brain of an agency founder on how to align priorities, incentives, and systems to maximize both immediate impact and lasting company health. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news. You're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I am your host, Mallory Kuhn, and I'm joined today by Kevin Barber, founder and head of growth at Lean Labs. Hi there, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing great. Looking forward to talking about some growth today. Yes, it's the meat and potatoes of what we do. <laughs> so I want, I'm want i excited to chat with you about sustainable growth. Um, let's kick things off by speaking to maybe some of our newer listeners. Um, so anyone that's new to the show, let's talk about your experience, Kevin. So what is your experience with crafting sustainable growth for businesses? Right. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to make marketing profitable so it can scale, right? So like the definition of, you know, scaling is having something that works and doing more of it, right? And, and so many companies want to scale their growth, but they don't have something that works. So they just, I, they just throw, they throw six months and six figures at like, oh, I'll just do content marketing or I'll do advertising or I'll do massive outreach. But they they haven't actually really built the engine to where those marketing dollars are driving into something that's engaging and eye converting. And then ultimately just it's like if if you if you're dumping fuel into a bad engine, you know, it's gonna be expensive. Things are gonna break and the likelihood of you getting to your destination is not very good, right? Or what you gotta do first is you gotta build that build that engine, that engine of having the right pieces in the right places that help you engage and convert a customer. And then you put fuel in that. So that's what, that's what we're talking about. Amazing. So we kind of, I feel like we we're flirting with the answer here, but I want to really make sure we nail down a definition because we're talking about sustainable growth this whole episode. So um, how do you define sustainable growth? What, what is sustainable growth to you? Right. So um, the vast majority of companies, even even if they're doing it, still think marketing costs them a lot of money. Okay. So sus what makes growth sustainable is when you can prove without a doubt and budget accordingly that what we're doing makes us money. 
right? We can prove it and you can maintain it uh, and then you can multiply it. So if you double down, you could you could get darn near double the result, right? That's what makes it sustainable. When it's unsustainable, it's when it's either not delivering ROI or you can't prove it. And then anyone coming in with a doubt, like there's a turn in the market, you have you know, a headwind in the economy, um, you know, then you can turn it off, right? But if you can, if you know what your return on investment is and you can prove it and you can prove that marketing doesn't, doesn't cost you money, but it makes you money. Now, now you have sustainable growth and, and now you just need to maintain that those, you need to maintain that opinion by continuing to do great work. Awesome. So when we're thinking about growth, um, uh, and this is, you know, it's in the title of the episode, so it's not a spoiler. <laughs> uh, but we're talking about short-term wins. We're talking about long-term wins. Uh, you know, you need to have those those incremental wins, but you need to have a, a long-term staying power, right? Um, and I think probably a question that a lot of small business owners, uh, entrepreneurs, startups are faced with when they're trying to build this growth engine is, what should I focus on? Uh, should I be prioritizing immediate growth? Should I be taking the long view on my revenue goals? Um, can you speak to that kind of internal struggle a little bit? Right. So if a company's thinking about, you know, they're probably thinking about both, right? So most right. companies are thinking about an immediate growth objective that they have as well as a long-term goal that they have, Right. And and the answer on which one should you focus on more is a giant it depends. Right? <laughs> it's a, a giant it depends because if you have no traction, that long-term goal, like you're not even going to start making progress on it until you have traction, right? Until right. you have some traction uh, in place. So like really about that, that, I would be focusing on immediate goal of how do I define traction? How do I achieve it? How do I collapse all timeframes, focus all efforts on just understanding what is the messaging and what is the offers that's going to get me at least a base level of traction in the marketplace, right? Um, and if you have lots of momentum and you're already doing this a lot, you know, sometimes brands shift into super short-term focused incremental thinking of like, hey, I just want to, I want to do 20% better this quarter. I want to do... 15% better this quarter, you know, whatever your quarterly growth rate is. And that's what you think of. But I'll tell you this, 15% quarter over quarter growth, while that's an amazing number, right? That would lead to, you know, more than 60% per year, uh, which most companies would be beyond thrilled with and hard to keep up with. 15% goal in invites incremental thinking. It does. 15% is just like, well, let's just do what we're doing a little bit more right? We're just a little bit better. But if you start thinking about that over a period of, you know, four years, well, that's a 10x growth, right? So 15% quarter over quarter over four years, sorry to Matthew, um, but uh, but is a 10x result. Well, you need to have mind of that 10x result because what got you where you are is probably not going to get you where you where you want to be. So, right. so oftentimes, it's the brands with limited traction. They're thinking far too out, far out. And the brands with traction and momentum need to remind themselves that they're probably going to have to make some decent shifts in order to, you know, 5X and 10X where they are today. So, and not just do incremental growth forever. They're going to hit that plateau, that ceiling based upon that thinking at some point. Yeah. So it sounds like if you're focusing too much on those immediate growth goals, the the incremental, you fall into the the trap of 
plateauing, just kind of trying to do the same thing, just a little bigger, better, right? What are some of the risks that are associated with looking uh, too far into the future or only looking far into the future and kind of neglecting more of those short-term goals? Yeah. So it's the fear that everyone has, which is I did a bunch of stuff that didn't work. <laughs> so right. I was completely bought into if I build it, they will come and it, and I built it and they didn't. Um, so you could waste six months, you could waste six figures, you can build out an entire marketing team that is focusing on the wrong marketing objective. If you don't have some early signals that we're, we're getting some traction, we're hitting some early milestones, we're with the, we're at least going in the right direction. You ever do that in your GPS or you're doing the walking map and the first two minutes of your journey was only to figure out that you're going the wrong way. You know, and uh, and so like if you're not if you're not just making sure that we're going the right way early on, you might find yourself to double your journey <laughs> and and now right. the money's been spent. Now the money's been spent. So um, looking too far in the future could have you f figure out that you missed an exit a long time ago. Yeah, not a place that anyone wants to be. <laughs> right. Right. And you to be honest with you, that's what that's why people have such a negative view of marketing is because. A lot of times we don't even know what what the dashboard is that we need to look at. Um, and, um, you know, like sadly, our marketing metrics uh, are not so much like a GPS in 100 feet. Turn around. Um, so uh, so, you know, that's why I think mark companies are, you know, have some level of re reservation around marketing is we as marketers have not done a good job of showing that we have traction. Right. Well, let's talk a little bit about metrics. And uh, I love that metaphor of walking and, and looking at the GPS because it's so true, right? You always watch it for the first few minute or so to make sure <laughs> that your little dot is moving the right way. Um, are there any metrics that or what metrics should we be tracking to balance growth now to leave space to expand in the future? Um, and, you know, are there any metrics that indicate that you're focusing on the wrong things? Right. So, in the early stage, when you're starting to think about how do I know that I have traction, it's I actually shift to thinking about the core growth assets. So we're always thinking about building a growth engine, right? A marketing machine. Uh, we, as marketers, we love our metaphors, right? And uh, <laughs> but we have to have the core assets in place. So it's like, do I have an offer that people convert on? That That's an early stage question. So I'm driving people into my demo. What's my demo conversion rate? What are benchmarks for that? Because if the conversion rate on your demo page is 2%, it's not an asset. That's a liability, <laughs> you know, because the amount of marketing dollars you're going to need to drive in order to get that 2% conversion rate to hit your goals is immense. So like you could instead go, man, what if my marketing win was getting my 2% to 4% still subpar from a benchmark perspective, right? But it would double the ROI of all of my marketing. So I think the, the early stage metric is how are my core assets performing to benchmarks, right? So the places where where my marketing dollars are going, how are they performing? Uh, and doing a quick audit of that. Um, and then if you know that you're performing at benchmarks and you're getting good, like not just good, good signup ratio, but you're connecting with those leads and they're actually qualified, that's an asset in the green camp. Let's Let's do more of this, right? Like, like, let's push on the steps in front of it and behind it to make it more profitable, right? So sadly, the exact metrics you need to track 
depend a little bit on the stage of growth that you're in. But if you're early in, it's building core assets that are hitting benchmarks, right? And if you're if you're a little bit farther along, okay, now we start breaking into each section of the buyer journey and we start thinking about how we're driving awareness, how we're driving engagement and conversion and excitement around what we're doing. How well are we activating these excited leads? We're converting leads. Are we activating them into demos? And, and you're going to develop a little bit of a metric set. We have we have that in our growth grader, uh, which is free and currently even ungated. You can just go grab it, growthgrader.com. Small plug. Um, yeah, to kind of we'll, we'll drop that in the show notes. Leads. Yeah, 100%. Excellent. Yeah, we'll drop that growth grader in the show notes. Um, so I think that, you know, that's great uh, starting point for metrics. I know it's, it is it is tricky to talk about because it will depend on, you know, where where they're at, what stage they're at. Um, but let's talk a little bit about pitfalls, uh, things to avoid. Uh, it's a bit of a running joke on the show. I like to get a little negative, <laughs> but only so people know what to avoid. Um, so where do you see B2B businesses um slipping up where are they typically over optimizing short-term wins or over focusing on the long game what are some of the areas where you see that showing up right first off i think we have a duty to go negative if we can go negative <laughs> and you realize this is your problem and i just saved you three more months of doing it the wrong way you're welcome exactly. <laughs> you know like let, let's do it we did our job you know yes. um and uh we're not trying to make you feel bad we're trying to save and make you money does that make sense right. so um so the deal is is that I think that a lot of companies in this metric game, they find a metric that's going well and they over-index on that. So it's possible to be like, hey, our social media engagement is awesome. You know, so I'm going to keep doing it. And then our social media engagement is awesome. So I'm going to keep doing it. How many, how many, you know, sales qualified leads have come in? And on that form, you asked, how did you hear from us? And they said, I saw you on LinkedIn. I saw you on TikTok. I saw you on whatever social media tool you're using. And if it's none ever, then while you might have great engagement, you're not looking at how it connects to the, to the actual goal, right? So a lot of times when we're over-optimizing, we, we had the number we're good at, we're doubling down, tripling down on that, but we're not paying attention to the fact that the number either right in front of it or right behind it, normally right behind it, isn't doing so great, right? right. And it, that's the first kind of mistake. And and so we we push into our strengths. We tend to avoid our weaknesses. It it feels less good. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, like I no 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 I want to do this thing. I'm good at it, right? <laughs> um, and uh, it's like me at the gym. Like posture, core. Oh no no no. We don't need that. <laughs> so um so because I'm not as good at it, right? And um but oftentimes it's leaning into those and getting that right is what's going to unlock all my gains elsewhere. Okay. Right. So. Um, the second mistake is kind of not understanding what phase of growth we're in. Like we're trying to do these scaling metrics. We're trying to pay attention to scaling metrics and we don't have traction. We don't have reputation. We know that people are researching us, comparing us. And on the comparison sites, we're not there or it doesn't look good. Right? right. And we're just, we're not, we're not aware of the way the customer is looking at us before they ever met us, you know? And uh, so that's, the, that's probably the, the other big one is you need to understand that before they reached out, they researched you, they compared you, uh, 88 to 95%, depending on the study that you like, I like them both, uh, say the customers check reviews before they ever connect. You know what? The, and you know what? It's the brands that have almost no reputation, 
are the ones that are most sticky about, I need marketing to get me an instant win. Well, I need you to have instant rapport by the results of what your company has already done and documenting that well so that they want to reach out. So like, like that's the chicken and the egg. Uh, you know, you, I'm telling you, in this scenario, the reputation comes before that flood of potential buyers. It, it always does. So that's just one of the pieces where oftentimes we're just not paying attention to what phase of growth we're in. Well, let's go back to positive. Let's assume we're growing, yeah. we're scaling. It's exciting. Now we're, the glass is half full. Okay. The glass is half full now. <laughs> we're flipping back over. Uh, so we're growing. Uh, business is scaling. Exciting stuff, but can be scary, right? How can you pace things like hiring, resourcing, uh, all those kind of team expansion things that you need to do so that you can support that growth in a sustainable way? Right. So I have an opinion on this. It's an opinion. There's more than one way to do it, right? Um, but my opinion is that there are two types of people. There are zero to one people. So people that, that are creative and, you know, hopefully following a system and methodology, but they're creating things that do not exist, right? Um, so So creating a customer journey map from scratch is a lot different than just validating it and making minor tweaks over time. It's, it's almost a different skill set, right? And there's definitely a different level of uncomfortableness, right? So there's zero to one people who are like all about making it from scratch. And then there's, and then that zero to one person would be kind of bored with the idea of one to 10. Like, okay, well, I'm going to make these little refinements and go back over time where there's a lot of people. I would say the majority of people are more one to 10 people. I don't want to blaze the trail for the first time. I don't want to cut through that brush. I want to go down the road that's been built and just do that repeatedly and reliably, right? So when you're trying to build in-house, you need to know whether you're looking for zero to one people. Am I looking to build traction and growth and systems that simply do not exist? Or do I have those systems and now I need one to 10 people who can come in and, and double down and refine it and tweak it and tune it and maintain it, right? So a lot of times companies make a mistake of hiring one to tens when they don't actually have the systems in place. And those people flounder. They're like, ooh, this this is hard. <laughs> um, right. You know, creating assets from scratch that don't exist at all is a totally different skill set. So, you know, what I generally suggest is that the founder be personally involved in growth until you have a system that works. What's a system that works? In my opinion, it's a million dollars net new through marketing. Right. If you haven't got to that million dollars net new through marketing, the founder should be involved uh, because th the founder is very <laughs> zero to one. They created a whole company. That <laughs> right. Didn't the most zero to one that they can be. <laughs> right. But then when you start to get a system that works, you start replacing and pulling out by backfilling with one to tens. You backfill and they're like, this is the traction that I got. This is how I got the traction. Now you do it, too. Right. You, you kind of monitor over that person until that seems to be working pretty well. They probably won't ever be quite as dialed in as you until you go to figure out when they just do that all day, they could do it better than you, you know, and uh, and then you you move out of that space and you let them lead and you repeat that for each aspect of the business. I think that when you're pacing hiring, it's don't step out too soon. You got to have a system that works. Right. And then you can start to backfill. How do you get a system that works if if you're not even sure, well, that's where bringing in, you know, a go-to-market consultant, a growth agency actually has a place. It has a place because they're a zero to one team, right? Yeah. And and I still think you should be involved. <laughs> so I still think you should. 
uh, especially up to that first million. And then, then you start, now you have a system, right? And you can right. start backfilling and scaling from there. That That's my best advice. How'd I do? I think it's great. I think, I think it's great advice. It's good. Uh, that zero to one, one to 10 is not something that I've uh, heard before, but I think it's a fascinating way to think of hiring. And I think that will be very helpful. Amazing. So I want to talk about how we know we're going in the right direction. I feel like we've, we've touched on this a few times. Um, and I wish there was, I had a more positive um, metaphor for this. But the one I'm thinking of is a canary in a coal mine, but not for bad things, for good things. Um, <laughs> do you have a, a, a positive canary in, in our coal mine for how you identify appropriate leading indicators that signal healthy long-term growth? growth. So like, is there a way to tell early on, like, are we setting ourselves up to be growing sustainably long-term? Right. So the number of companies that, uh, can I just, <laughs> let's go into the coal mine for just a minute. All right. So, yes. <laughs> um, so here's what, here's a very common, quite common deal. All right. We're a $5 million company. Our goal is to get to $10 million in one year. All right. We look, we're looking for help doing that. Can you help us? Right. Normally, a lot of times, the first thing I got to do is I got to help them do the first step, which is tracking their net new revenue separate from total revenue. So what what I go to find out and help them understand is they're a five million dollar company that did five hundred thousand dollars net new from marketing last year. And they're trying to go to five million dollars net new from marketing this year. They're looking for a 10x result overnight. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. And they're like. Oh yeah, that is actually mathematically what I'm asking for. So step one is to track your net new revenue separate from your total revenue, just so you understand. They need to know your net new, re net new revenue from marketing, right? And then, and then once you know your net new revenue from marketing, you can look at all of your expense in marketing and you can know what is the cost of creating that revenue and you can know if you have a, a sustainable benchmark, right? So a healthy long-term signal is that extreme minimum to even continue doing what you're doing is to have a, for most companies, a three to one return. I put $1 in, $3 out, right? And a lot of companies would be like, wait, margin wise, that's not exactly amazing. I still have to deliver <laughs> my solution, right? Uh, a, a more scalable number, Mark Roberge, formerly at HubSpot, you know, says that most companies should be operating off a minimum of a four to one. Uh, LTV to CAC. So so I should be bringing in $4 of revenue for every $1 of marketing. Um, you know, I had a client recently, I was actually on their chart yesterday, not the channel that we were in. Our return on ad spend was 3.93. Goal was four. We were short. We'll get there, you know? Uh, <laughs> well, their main channel was 1.16. So they put a dollar in and they only get a dollar, they get their dollar back plus 16 cents, but I promise it's not profitable. You know, and so like that helps them understand I need to shift from what I thought was my main channel to these other channels that are actually profitable, scalable, healthy. So you got to do you got to know your customer acquisition cost, your CAC, C-A-C. Um, and you, then you want to know your customer acquisition cost by channel. And having a healthy return on investment is the earliest signal of healthy growth, because now it's like, now can I increase that? spend 50% and maintain my return on investment? Can I double down, maintain my return on investment? The, the CEO's job or the CRO's job is to double down on what works, hold back what doesn't. And, and, and by doing that regularly, 
um, is how you how you shift to finding growth channels that you can scale. Well, speaking of CAC, customer acquisition cost, customer acquisition, let's talk a little bit about customer selection. Let's talk about onboarding, like just that beginning part of a new customer relationship. Um, how does client selection, onboarding strategy, how do those things shift depending on your focus? Right. So client selection is big. And, you know, if you listen to our podcast much, you'll know we're big into having an ideal customer profile, right? And I believe that ideal customer profile, which could be your persona, could be your avatar. Those are just names. It's basically who we're, who we actually want to sell to and what are they thinking, feeling, doing so we can attract them, right? Um, in my opinion, client selection is the first step, right? And you want to narrow ICP. You want to narrow ICP. So you want to be, you know, like Lean Labs, is really made for companies between five and $50 million, right? They need to have, ideally they have a CMO or they at least have a marketing manager in place. All of our greatest success stories come from at least a marketing team of one, oftentimes a marketing team of two or three, but we come in and we fill some strategic gaps. And and I could have taken in, I've, I've done a couple of projects for companies that are $200 million. They're harder. It's not our, it's not our space, right? And, and we've definitely worked with a lot of companies that are more two to $5 million. We actually make, are making a program for that because we get so much, you know, interest there. But the deal is, is that I got the very best metaphor from my friend, Daniel Den. Daniel, I want to give you props about why you need to think about a narrow ICP and crushing it for one customer. Think of it as like starting a fire. Like you come in and first, first you just, you need to, you're going to be on fire because you're starting your company. So you got those leaves and you're lighting them up, but that's not sustainable. Okay. Like if you just do leaves, like you're just going to be busy all night, right? <laughs> Never do really get a fire, get a show. Um, but, but it, you'll, you'll eventually burn out. Okay. And then the deal is, so what you start doing is you start putting on a really narrow, you know, like, like pinky, you know, sized branch and, and you want to light that up and get that on fire. That's a narrow, very specific, ideal customer profile. And on top of that, like when you start like just the pinky sticks, just the pinky sticks, that fire can get hot. Now you can go to the thumbstick. Like, okay, well now, now I'm going to, I'm going to broaden that just a little bit bigger, you know, tent of a kind of company. And when you get those thumbsticks on, you know, now you get to a spot where you can put on a log, you can generalize over time, but how do you generalize over time? You crush it. You make a hot fire of really narrow customers that have gotten amazing wins. And that's when you can broaden out to a, a bigger log. So um, what so many people kind of try to do is they try to light up. They got their mat. They got their lighter out and they got a log. And they're like, why is this working? <laughs> and it's because you, you you don't have anything hot for them to go into. And you're hitting a very broad audience and, and they're not seeing how it applies to them. That, that's probably like the number one mistake in all of marketing. Yeah. That's a very, very visceral metaphor. And and I think that's going to be very valuable. It's easy for, for people to think about. So when you're building, you know, your your customer acquisition, client selection strategy, maybe think about that. Are we in a thumb stage? Are we in the log stage yet? Um, so I want to talk a little bit about tools and systems, um, because I think a lot of times uh, that can be a challenging thing to uh, set up for growth. So you know, we're we're wanting to implement tools and teams infrastructure that will support us today, but we don't want to spend a bunch of time and money learning a tool or a system that isn't going to also serve us in the future. 
Um, so what should people be looking for in tools and systems to make sure they're selecting stuff that can scale with their business? Right. So this is an impossible question to answer, Mallory, but I'm going to try it. Okay. So it's all about solving the right problem. Um, we're all doing different things, but we're starting in different places. So for some companies, they need a robust enterprise tool that's going to give them all of the things because they're a $40 million company. They did, they did, they did $5 million net new last year. Uh, and they're trying to take that to 10, right? And they're trying to double down. They, they need $10 million net new revenue from marketing right? Well, that's going to be a robust dashboard. Uh, if you're in the B2B space, you have an innovative product, you're not selling a commodity, you're doing demos, you have a sales team. I like HubSpot. I like HubSpot as a starting place. There would, there would need to be a compelling reason to not consider HubSpot. And there might be for your specific brand, right? Um, but uh, but that's basically the, the first piece. Once you get there, like you're going to need one single source of truth for marketing and sales and support to work off of. HubSpot was made for that. I'm, I'm kind of a cheerleader. Uh, I wore my HubSpot <laughs> shirt yesterday. I'm wearing a HubSpot jacket today. I guess I guess they got me. Okay, <laughs> so uh, so the deal is is that um, that's what you think about when you're scaling. But when you're in this traction stage, it's more like, well, I don't need enterprise tools. I don't need enterprise expenses. I don't need enterprise complexity. Right. What I need is I need traction in the market. What if I told you, you need almost no tools. You need to talk to your customers more <laughs> um, to understand what they're thinking and feeling and doing right p before they bought. And then you need a really good offer and you need a strong reputation and you don't need it. You don't need a ridiculous stack for that. You know, right. you, you just need to document well what you already do and have your customers bring you the best form of marketing, which is documenting their wins. Right. And being willing to like it and share it and promote it. And what if I told you early on, that's that's the number one thing you can do. And by running out and trying to get cold customers rather than work with the customers you already have um, to make great marketing is, is actually a mistake. It's almost like a little bit of a form of avoidance for all the introverts. Right. But in fact, customers want to be a fan. They want to be a cheerleader. They want to look brilliant for having picked you. Help them look brilliant and make great marketing from it. Right. And I don't you don't need a robust stack. Um, now, here's the here's the rub. Since we talked about tools and systems, switching is really hard. Yeah. So I want to pull up my HubSpot jacket again and be like, <laughs> I love that they made their starter stuff. So you can start on one tool that's super inexpensive and grow into the more professional and enterprise tools later when you need. But you don't have to replatform because, right. you know, like if you're replatforming a 30 million dollar business, are you going to lose a quarter or a year? You're going to lose something um, in making this transition. Like if you could, if you could figure out that stack that can grow with you uh, over time, and maybe it's not HubSpot. There's others, right? But it, the one that really makes sense for your type of business and where you're, where you're going to be, and kind of think about the story, the end of the story from the beginning, and and like lean that way. A lot of companies replatform two, three times. I've helped do the migrations. Um, maybe I saved you a couple of lost quarters just now, hopefully, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So let's wrap up on a final word of caution, let's say. Um, so do you have any final like blind spots that you see trip companies up when they are attempting to sustain growth for their brands? Right. 
So I would say that the biggest challenge is is that they don't know where they're started, where they're starting from. They assume that everything is green light go. But if you hit go on that rocket and just let the fuel out, it's gonna it's gonna break midair. It's not gonna make it to the moon or Mars, whatever you set as your destination. You don't know what your current bottlenecks are. You weren't paying attention to the dashboard that says alert, 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 then there's an oxygen leak on chamber two. You know, and uh, and we're going to figure that out after we launch. No, 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 no. Right. So um, I think that's why companies oftentimes have this negative view of marketing in a whole is we didn't do a good job of knowing what my current bottleneck is. So like with a lot of brands, we spend a lot of time it, trying to think about and show them where the current gap is. And and I can't tell you what your gap is because it's going to be different. For, for different brands. But there generally is a reason why your current activities are not giving you the results that you want. There is a reason. And if you can find that reason, zero in on it and fix it, there is these these rare, glorious times when just everything's working and it's because you solved the right problems. You found the gaps and you solved them. And then, you know, you, you get to the, where like, wow, marketing is just working. Let's do more. <laughs> you do not do that by just hitting the go button on awareness. Oh, I'm going to do paid ads. Oh, I'm going to do content. And everything's going to work out gloriously. Alert, alert, caution, caution. Um, you know, if nothing else, just get a growth assessment. Get it. Hold it up work and get a growth assessment. Go, like of a few different people just to get a rounded opinion. And if, 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 if what they all say rhymes, I don't know. You might want to listen to it. Okay. Amazing. On that note, that wraps us up here. So thank you so much, Kevin, for chatting with me today about balancing long-term and short-term goals when growing your business. I hope that is helpful. The fact is we're all in a different phase of growth. We talk a lot about the phases of growth inside of our growth playbook, which is completely free. You don't even have to talk to us. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and if that helps, I, I hope that it does. We made it with that intent because uh, you know, getting these things right is where we get on track to hitting our goals and hitting our goals is where we can actually accomplish the mission of why we even started the company. So, you know, that's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you everyone out there for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss one of our episodes. And if you have a second, take a moment, rate and review the show on your favorite podcast application. And until next time, this has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Well, we've got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year. <laughs>